0: Absolutely amazing. I'm just tongue-tied just talking about it, making the
1: best. Yes, I'm, yes I'm a favorite now.
0: Welcome to the Extraordinary Being Movement, where we inspire you, take action, influence you for change, and motivate you for success. Hi, I'm your host and coach, Len DeCarmine, and we have an amazing show tonight. We're going to be talking about autism awareness and the TISM with our special guest this evening. But before we get into that, let me introduce to you my two favorite co-hosts and friends, the one and only Fred Martinez. Fred, how are you this evening?
2: Doing great. Doing great. You know, it's another another week, another way to dominate our path and have fun and success in our lives. And uh, this this topic we're going to be talking about tonight, kind of uh, one of my best friends is uh, his stepson has autism. So this right here will definitely resonate more so. Um, so I oh, can't wait.
0: Sounds great, friend. I'm happy that you're bringing the fire, the passion, and of course, the fuel tonight. And Christopher Shiver, what we got going on, friend?
1: Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm actually excited today because we're going to actually hear about autism from somebody that actually has it. I'm going to be honest, I've not seen many shows out there or or many, many documentaries or speakers talking about it, but I've not seen many autistic speakers talk about it. So this is going to be really interesting for me because I don't see many places out there where you can actually find this sort of source of information. So I'm super, I got a lot of questions.
0: I'm excited about this episode as well, so let's not waste any more time. Let me introduce our special guest, Eric Rosnowski. He's the founder and owner of the He was diagnosed with autism at a young age and has lived with it all his life. The TISM was born by looking around at how autism was seen and portrayed and realizing that the portrayal did not actually master reality. So he took action. Start the Tism to bring awareness to everybody out there. Eric, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me, Len. I appreciate
0: it. Great to finally have a place
3: to talk about this.
0: Eric, I love it. So Eric, I like to open up the show with an icebreaker. All right. If you had one superhero power, what would it be?
3: I guess it would be the ability to read people's minds. Something about autism is that it's hard to really get people. And it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can really understand what people are thinking or what people are like, I guess what people are thinking and how people look at me and how I affect other people. So being able to read people's minds would help a lot with that. I suppose.
0: No, I love it. That's a fantastic power to have. Could also be very dangerous reading everybody's mind all at once. But, you know, you really get to see and hear what's going on in people's heads. And sometimes I bet it's pretty scary for the most part. But that sounds like an awesome power to have for sure. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about who you are. What, tell us a little bit more about who Eric is.
3: Well, I'm 24 years old. I am a recent graduate of ASU's Barrett Honors College with a degree in history. I plan on pursuing a master's degree in history at the same college in January. And I started autism this year as a sort of passion project. I started because I wanted to really change the way autism was seen and perceived. And I wanted to bring awareness and acceptance to autistic causes and autistic individuals. I have been given intense amounts of support and understanding all my life, but I understand that not many people like me get that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the best way to change that, the best way to put people in the position where they can get the respect and dignity and positivity they they deserve is to spread awareness of the causes and to help promote this more positive perspective of autism. Batism was born, uh, the phrase itself was born of an in-joke between me and my siblings where sometimes if one of of us would mess up, we'd joke and say they had the tism. We can only make this joke because they had grown to love me and accept me and Understand me as an equal, and I and I hope someday that all autistic people can be able to I don't know be in on the joke where we can laugh with others instead of being laughed at or pitied or sympathized with.
0: No, I I think that's great. Now I I know you brought up and you mentioned how people with autism are seen. Can you share a little bit more about that? How how do they feel that they're they're seen and the relationship with the
3: public. Well, I think the general perception I've seen amongst autistic individuals that we're seen as a a proverbial other, oftentimes we are seen as victims. We're seen as victims of our condition, much like, I hate to make the comparison, but cancer. Like we are seen with the same level of almost pity. Like we are victims of our condition. We will never be equal to anyone else. It is either that, or we are seen as prodigies. Like we're we're treated like we're all Rain Man, or we're all Temple Grandin, or we're all Daniel Tammet. When that is not the case, I've even been told that autistic people are the next step in human evolution. A statement which was mired in good intentions, but comes across as very othering. Batism wants to get this message out there that we are not victims, we are not superheroes, we don't have superpowers, we are not other. We are people. We're people deserving of dignity, respect, and positivity, just like anyone else. We may have different needs. We may have different ways of looking at the world looking at the world and understanding people and the world around us. But that still that still makes us people.
0: No, I, I absolutely love it that you shared both ways both perspectives and how you know, you foresee how people are seeing you and how you really want to be seen. You just want to be seen as regular people not as, as you said, the other, you know, the other people and that you and everybody with autism functions in life in their own special way. And that people should just accept that the way it is and, and just work like we will work with anybody else.
1: Go so ahead, Chris. So Eric, I, I know for a fact, I've been on the other side of not understanding and I, I'm confident. I'm pretty confident. I've been one of those people that used to say autism was like the next evolutionary step. And it's funny now that, that you said that it made me think to myself, like, you know, what's funny that you could say it's like you said, it comes with this positive intent, but it only serves to push that person further away from the group. And um I'm, I'm only beginning to understand what that would feel like for somebody. Um I, I mean, what was that like for you? When did you start to realize that?
3: When I was start that... when did I start to realize I was different? No, when people were treating you different. I honestly I realized it before I was told I was autistic. I was told I was autistic around age nine, but even then I always felt that people looked at me differently. They treated me differently. And that didn't change after I learned my diagnosis. In fact, it only increased. I've had to fight for every single thing I've had from a very young age. I was taught to advocate for myself. And I guess I now want to use these tools to help Well, not only advocate for myself, but other autistic individuals, for the autistic community at large, because I don't want someone to have to go through the same struggles I went through growing up. Where everything was a fight. Mm -hmm. And I mean everything. Like even trying to get into a Spanish class in 10th grade was one of the... It was so bad that we had to get a tutor from somewhere else to come in and teach me Spanish because the school district refused to give me Spanish. They refused to give me chemistry because I was the other. I was not, I did not fit into the mold that they, they, they believe to be the normal kid. And this sort of thing is why I moved to Arizona. I'm originally from New York and the Arizona school system has treated me far better and far more like a person than any place in New York. I would not have been able to graduate. From, from a normal high school, much less a university in New York.
2: Eric, i got a question. I know that there's different levels of severity of autism. Can you give an example? Can you go ahead and explain all the different levels? Because I know some people, they look at uh, autism as i seen the other, other side of the spectrum where I'm seeing someone where... He is in his 20s right now and he's still going through the school because the school system only gives you a certain amount of time because you age out and you're just doing the same life skills. And then most people don't realize that uh, they're going to be a person that has the severe autism is going to be with uh, the parents probably the rest of their life. And then the the parents have to make some changes and make sure that uh, that he he or she will be protected in the future just in case they pass on that stuff like that. So I wanted to get your perspectives and what you know and your knowledge.
3: My perspective on it is, first off, the conception that there are levels of autism is a misnomer. Autism is a spectrum and it doesn't go from less autistic to more autistic. It's more like the spokes on a wheel where it's kind of like you, you may have more of this, but less of this. Or you may have a lot of this, but a less of this. Aut- like, the idea that there's levels of autism, idea of it's less severe to more severe, has solely been used to isolate and discriminate against autistic individuals. And as for the parental care and guardianship that you talk about, they, that is something that occurs with a lot of autistic individuals. But I believe that many of those same individuals can be given the tools and resources to live independently or even within their community. The problem is, They often don't have access to those resources or deny those resources. It has been shown that autistic individuals can function better within a community setting, living independently, or even living with assistance than say, living in a group home, which many of them are often consigned to. That's a lot of, that's what a lot of what I heard growing up was a lot of professionals thought I would end up in a group home. And I fought every step of the way to stop that from happening.
1: It just sounds like they're just trying to like push push the problem aside, like throw it under the rug more than actually deal with it. And I, I, I find that interesting. You say that the it's, it's, it's like the whole severity scale is actually a misdemeanor. I find that really interesting because you hear similar arguments when it comes to like uh, oppression.
3: Oh, absolutely. As a history major, I hear that sort of thing all the time. And the idea that there's less oppressed, the more oppressed is absurd to me it, there is so many different factors that go into that and there's so many different factors that go into autism there's so many things that make up an autistic individual or even the diagnosis of autism that the idea you can just put it on this binary scale is insulting and does nothing to help autistic individuals all it does is help to push certain individuals under the rug and deny them the resources and dignity And understanding that they deserve. There's even. I've heard this notion that. Nonverbal autistic individuals. Like there's this conception. That nonverbal autistic individuals. People who cannot speak. Or do not wish to speak. Are lesser. That they are somehow more autistic. They're more severe. When that is not the case. Nonverbal autistic individuals. Are very capable of expressing themselves. Through a variety of means. And have just as valid opinions as I do.
2: You give a voice to individuals who they're the nonverbal um, that doesn't really have a voice itself because maybe is it the being able to recognize the the body language and the gestures and things like that.
3: Well, typically the processes are usually sign language or one of those boards with like there's I forget the names of the boards but there's those boards you can like you could touch them and then they make a sound they they help express. You know what I'm talking
1: about. A soundboard? I, I, I've heard them called exactly. soundboards. Yeah.
3: Although there's still problems with those because sometimes they don't allow people to express the full range of emotions. I even was trawling through the auti- actually autistic hashtag on Twitter, which if you want to see the opinions of actually autistic individuals like myself, you go through that hashtag because it will invite you to a lot of stuff I'm talking about. You will see a lot of it. Oh, but, oh. I saw this frustration from a nonverbal autistic individual that they couldn't curse on these boards, and that may sound absurd to someone who's not in the know, but being denied a form of communic being denied a little resource a way to communicate is a serious problem
1: no that that that's that's a big problem because that takes away your power as like exactly. as something as something as simple as blocking a hashtag in that case is that that's serious oppression <laughs> that can be like you can argue that's a, that's a, that's governmental oppression
3: honestly yes
2: i met this one man um he actually was in a wheelchair and he actually uh he couldn't use his hands and so and he couldn't communicate but how he communicated when you were talking about that little soundboard he, he was able to use his his eyes and, and able to like uh, just navigate using his head. So they had the software uh, on this board on this computer that he was able to uh, had canned phrases that would that would when you would talk to him, he would go ahead and he would just go and look at it and then blink his eye and he would go ahead and say the response like, hello, my name is so and so. Uh, and then, um, you respond and talk to him and he say, nice to meet you. So a lot of the stuff was there. So he had a voice. And the one thing that, that was amazing about this guy, he was writing two novels. So he already did one novel and he's doing a second novel and, uh, he likes that murder mystery type of stuff. So he wanted to make them into plays.
3: That's a, it's wonderful to hear. And again, that illustrates my point that just because you are nonverbal, just because, you seem, quote unquote, more disabled does not mean you are less of a person. It doesn't mean that you should be able to communicate less. You are still just as capable as another person and should be treated with dignity, respect, understanding, and accommodation. And of course, positivity. Mm -hmm. You should be able to talk about yourself in a positive light and even joke. Like I've brought this up before, but autistic individuals, we don't see ourselves as victims. We like to joke about our autism. We like to we like to have fun with it. Like when it comes to s- serious issues, we do bring shine a light on them. But we also can joke about our conditions. And I just want to, I guess, I want to get the community, both inside the autistic community and out, to the point where all of us can, I guess treat treat the condition with a level of humor while also taking the individuals within the community seriously and their and their needs and wants seriously.
1: So here's a question for you. How, how do we go about getting society aware that they they themselves – they because I feel like the issue is like a lot of us are telling ourselves we're, we're aware and we're telling ourselves we're doing the right thing. But then, like you said, you go on that – on uh, you go on any of that – the forum website with that hashtag and you're going to find out what autistic people
3: are really saying and it's not that. The, the way to do it, honestly, boost autistic voices, boost charities run by autistic individuals, donate to uh, donate to causes and GoFundMe's from autistic people. The best example I can think of is the Autism Self Advocacy Network and a nonprofit that is literally autistic individuals promoting their causes. Every shirt I have sold under the TISM label, a portion of that has gone to the Autism Self Advocacy Network. Because I firmly believe that if I can, that I'm going to put, I'm a firm believer in putting my money where my mouth is. And if I'm serious about promoting autism positivity and autistic causes, that I will put my money on the line to do that. And I think if you are serious about, about helping autistic individuals and bringing awareness to their causes and promoting this idea of autism positivity and acceptance, like, boosting autistic voices, whether it be on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, like, boosting fundraising events, looking up which charities to donate to, which to avoid, that does a lot.
2: What do these charities do? I want to know, like, and that, are they boosting more awareness, but programs? And th- I would like to know a little bit more, and then... Cause I feel the passion in you. And I just, you know, that's, I'm just wanting to get it out there for saying, this is what you, what you want to do.
3: What these charities tend to do is put money towards programs and put money towards campaigns that aim to either fix issues that we are facing or bring widespread attention to a series of issues within the community in hopes of gaining access. I know the Autism Self Advocacy Network recently did something about infanticide or murder within murder of autistic individuals by caretakers, by parents bringing awareness to this, trying to prevent it because I don't know if you noticed, but a good portion of autistic individuals who are murdered are murdered by family. Mm. Wow. Like there were two cases, one in Sydney, one in, I want to say Florida within the past month of Mothers of autistic children murdering them because they felt they couldn't handle them or that they would suffer their entire lives.
1: Yeah, and it usually a lot of this stuff usually gets unreported, but it's, it's common and it's 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 prevalent in our society and it has been for a very long time. And it needs to stop. And, it, and it's amazing what what I find incredible about it. it's like how much of this goes unreported. I, don't I, find, understand that.
3: I find it amazing that sometimes I'll go into the comments of these and I will see people saying, I see where they're coming from. I see why they, you know, killed this individual with a disability. There's there's even an entire day they help set up called the Disability Day of Mourning. And there's a website that lists all the disabled individuals over the past, like 10, 20 years, killed by relatives, killed by family members, killed by friends. And it's a very long list and it was real I read it recently, it was shocking. And the Tism is part part the tism is partially built so we can prevent stuff like that from happening again. Because if there's this positive conception of autism, if there's this understanding that autistic people are still people, they can be treated with the dignity and respect and understanding they deserve, then this won't happen. At least I can hope. If I could save one life, just one life with the TISM, right? If one autistic individual feel proud of themselves or bring awareness to a group of neuro- neurotypical people like yourselves about this, I think the TISM will have been a success. And that, to me, matters more than any tacky shirts or stickers or wristbands that I could sell, which I actually have on sale, by the way. I would like to know about, like, on, um,
2: like, at ASU like what what are the resources that did you get there uh to help you with your schooling tutoring etc because I know they have a program there because of my my niece my niece was uh we never I never looked at my niece as being slow developed and things like that because I was like I'm so proud of her um because of the issues that she's had, that she went through college. And I know that ASU, that that my my sister-in-law really pushed it and was part of the PTA. I don't know if it was like PTA or whatever was there. ERC? um, To go ahead and get the tutoring for her, to help out getting special uh, allocations for her her testing. And then as well as when she went to go get her uh, to become a nurse, that she was able to, uh, I think she like studied most of the time, uh, plethora of times just to get ready to take the exams and what she did and she passed and I was like so proud of her but I never looked at her as like having an issue or anything like that so I want to know from your perspective on what is a like ASU since you're gone through the program and you're still going through it like what are the things that you see that they're doing and maybe what are the things that they can improve
3: on well ASU from my time there, the DRC or Disability Resource Center, was actually quite effective in helping me. I know they helped secure accommodations for all my classes. I sometimes took tests in a separate location. They were ASU in general is wonderful about accommodating students with disabilities. Granted, a lot of it is also dependent on who you get, because sometimes I ended up with someone who wasn't great. But if you push hard enough, you will get someone who can really healthier and i think my only thing would be i think there needs to be counselors specialized in dealing with individuals with disabilities because i found that in when i was using counseling services i was using the same ones as other students which is fine because which is fine for most for people for most cases but sometimes individuals with disabilities do need a level of understanding that unfortunately the standard counselors are not equipped to deal with. So I think there should be more staff involved in counsel because there's the matter of testing accommodations, a matter of the practical levels of accommodation to college life. But I found that there wasn't much help in terms of the mental and emotional and structural stresses of adapting to life on campus. i as like autistic individuals have trouble with change and trouble with changing structures. And I found it very difficult to adapt. And I found that I didn't initially do not get much help in that regard. And so I think that there also needs to be help on that level. The disability resource center is great, but I think it could be even better.
2: Awesome. Awesome. You're seeing things. And that's what, that's what I like about this that you're seeing uh, from your perspective and you're able to, I'm a student, I've gone through this, and this is what you can add is what, can you do to go ahead and, and foster that change, so they can make these uh, these changes
3: within the program? I think what you can really do is honestly bring awareness to it. I think the best arbiter of change is gathering individuals and making making your voices heard through unofficial or official means. They, if you can get enough people to advocate for this sort of change within ASU, they will likely oblige. No, I mean,
0: this This is absolutely great that you're sharing this with us and bringing us this awareness and the resources that are out there. I mean, I'm really shocked about that list you talked about, about how many parents have, you know, hurt or killed their children over the years. And that's absolutely ast- astonishing that, you know, that that's happening in all the people that have been affected by this. I, I wanted to find out a little bit more about the TISM. What, you, what your goal is, what you're trying to really accomplish so we can help you get the message out there. And if you have anything else that's coming up, like any special events that we can help you get out there to everybody else to attend.
3: Well, initially the Tizzle was about selling shirts, but as I went about doing that, I realized that I could be some, doing something better with this. I, that There was Something bigger and more important that I could use this platform to do. So, my end goal with this is to do a lot of speaking appearances like these, bringing awareness to autistic causes, like bringing trying to promote this message of autism positivity wherever and whenever I can. Like, I'm hopefully I can work the circuit like John Elder Robinson, the officer, the the author of the book Look Me in the Eye. I don't know if you've heard of that or even something or even taking on a role somewhere to that at Temple Grandin. And what was the second part of your question again?
0: Oh, I was was asking how we can help you get your mission out there, what it was about, and if you had any events coming up or anything coming up in the future.
3: Right. I will likely be appearing on another podcast in March, but in January, be on the lookout for January because I'm going to be launching my biggest project ever. And it is something that has been in the works for a couple of months, and I'm very excited to show it off. But I I have to be a bit tight-lipped about what it is yet, what it is, because not everything's finalized, but you're gonna love it.
0: Can you give us a hint? All I'm gonna say is new merch. Oh new, merch. new merch
3: and a whole bunch of content.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And when somebody buys a shirt or, or item from you guys, does that, is that money going to, to the TISM for you guys to help promote more awareness and go to programs? Or are you donating that to other causes?
3: A portion of that 10 to 20% goes to other charities. The rest goes to the TISM. Great. And in fact, if you, when you order a shirt, if you want, you can put it in notes. If you have a specific charity in mind, you could put that in the notes and then I will donate to that charity personally.
0: Wow. That's fantastic. I, I love it. I love, I love how you you've evolved from, you know, going with just creating t-shirts to bring awareness to something bigger than what you are and something bigger out there. Cause it reminds us of us. We kind of started this as a podcast. And now we're trying to grow like you to grow to a larger Awareness to help more people in personal growth and achievement, and we are absolutely loving that you're up to big things like us and you have a message out there, a message that you want to get out there to people to bring positivity to you know people with autism and and everyone else as well.
3: Thank you and I think what we are doing is important because ultimately. I think in a world full of darkness, it is important for there to be a light. And I think it's important to provide that light that we are surrounded by so much negativity on a di- on a di- hourly basis, even that it is important for even a second to make someone feel good about themselves because that second can change everything. I know that I would not be where, where I am today if it wasn't for the fantastic support provided by the people around me during my childhood, all the therapists, counselors, occupational therapists. Mm-hmm. I was surrounded by so much kindness and positivity that I feel like it's my obligation to pay it forward.
0: No, I, I absolutely love it. And what ways are you bringing that positivity out there? How, how are you going about doing that, spreading that positivity?
3: Mainly blogs, social media, sometimes the shirts, and sometimes I will even have people just ask me about autism. I know a few times I've had family friends or like f- friends of family friends ask me about autism, and I've given them a much better understanding and diagnosis than any doctor could. I remember a specific case where the aunt. Uh, The sister of an old family friend, their nephew, was, their son was diagnosed autistic. And the doctors gave them this grim diagnosis. And I remember she called me up and we talked for 20, 30 minutes. And at the end, she was crying. She was thanking me because I gave her something. I gave her hope. And I think that is what I want to give people. Understanding, positivity, and hope.
2: This really resonates with me and touches me because of um, things that happened to me in my past. And uh, but I don't want to really get into that itself because it's all about you. Um, so my question to you is you have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of knowledge. And what life lesson knowledge that you can go ahead and give to to all of us and our viewers that you have gained through your
3: through your life? The number one thing is no matter how things, how bad things may get, no matter how alone you may feel, there's always someone out there who can help you. And th- it is always darkest before the dawn. And it is up to you to go into that light and make things better. That things will get better, but only if you make them better.
0: Wow, well, Eric. Already- yeah, Eric, I love it. That was powerful. And it was amazing words of wisdom coming from you. Now we're getting to the end of our show here, Eric. How can people go about learning more about you, about the TISM, and maybe either be a part of it or even purchase a shirt?
3: Well, you can go to my website, thetism.org, where I have all my blogs, which update on a semi-frequent basis. I'm trying to get better about that. <laughs> I have my I have my shirts. I have my about like the is where I have everything that is the tism. You can also follow us on social media on, tw- on Twitter and Instagram at, at @gotthetism on Facebook at the same label and, and on LinkedIn at the same thing.
0: All right. That's absolutely amazing. We appreciate your time here today with us. We're going to, We're going to actually put you on our website as well to help promote what you're doing to get more awareness out there so people can get a direct link right to the TISM and to learn more about you and what's going on to help your cause and help it grow so you guys, so you can continue spreading that positivity out there to the world because we really support what you're doing and you're really making things happen in a way that is just going to explode in time and really make a difference for the, everybody in the world so we are very grateful to have you here with us today and thank you for your time
3: thank you for having me on it's it was it was a pleasure and a delight to meet all of you and talk to all of you well
0: thank you eric and for those who want to know more about eric and the tism please check us out at the extraordinary movement.com we'll have some information there and we'll also have links so that everybody can get into contact with Eric. If you'd like to show your support, purchase a cert, or just spread some positivity. But before we go, I want to get some final words from my two co-hosts. Fred Martinez, what, what's going through your mind right now?
2: It made me realize a lot of different things of, uh, I always saw the, the spectrum and whereas now is educated and.
3: The thing is, is
2: like it's just that awareness, getting that the, the message, the knowledge, everything out there to realize that we're all equal, no matter how we see the world.
0: No, I, I absolutely love that, Brett. And Chris Driver, what we got?
1: Uh, I just it's it's easy to think it, we all do things with positive intent in this world for others and for ourselves but it's also important to ask those other people hey you know did that sound right to you or did i do the right thing by you before you just assume that you did the right thing get feedback oh, first
0: now hey chris i i appreciate your final thoughts on today's episode eric once again thank you for being on our show and for those who like to know more about the extraordinary being movement Please make sure you like and subscribe. We're on all the podcast channels. If you'd love to download this episode, please do show, show you support to the movement, to Eric's cause, and to all of our guests that it, that are here on the Extraordinary Being Movement. We wish you the well and to your success. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Bye now.